By studying age in the elderly, we may find a way to live longer and in better health. You're listening to ReachMD.com on XF160, the channel for medical professionals. Today we have a special segment on the future of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and with me today is my special guest, Dr. Nir Barzilai. Dr. Barzilai is the director of the Institute for Aging Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and he's also a professor of medicine and professor of genetics at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Thank you very much for joining us today. And it's a pleasure to be with you. To begin with, with 55,000 centenarians, is it time that we begin to study them rather than excluding them from medical research? That's a great question and underlines the fact that that's who I'm studying. But I I would say something else to begin with. We haven't been studying people between the ages of 65 and 85, for instance, when it comes to drugs and their side effect and their tolerability and things like that. So we have a lot of people to study. I would say that those centenarians should be studied Separately, and I hope to convince you during our conversation of why it will be important to study them in a unique way. Well, can you tell me, how is your work focusing on the possible ways to live longer and in better health, rather than always focusing on what is the underlying cause of disease? You know, when we went to our first centenarians and asked them among many of the questions, we asked them an open question. Why do you think you live to be so old? What they're telling us is usually two things. One is, hey, my mother was 102, my grandfather was 108. Or there is a family history of longevity in their family. Okay, so they're unique in that. But then we ask them, you know, tell us the truth. What did you do? Did you eat yogurt all your life? Were you vegetarians? Were you exercising? And it's interesting that 450 centenarians later, I don't have anything like that to tell you. So this combination of having a family history and not having anything that they interacted with the environment. Many of them have been obese. Many of them have been smoking. One of my subjects have been smoking for 92 years, two packs a day, made me think that those guys have something that protect them, which is different than the rest of us that have something that kills us on an average age of 78 in the United States. As we'll talk, I know your research deals with Ashkenazic Jews, and we'll come back to why you've selected that particular probane. But certainly, I've always associated Ashkenazic Jews with people who ate Eastern European diets, did not exercise, often smoked over 20 years during their life. In fact, my father used to tell me that the only Ashkenazic Jew who ever jogged was usually in a pogrom. And I wonder, is did your research show you that that was the lifestyle of the people people that live to be 100 or 85 to 100? Pretty much it's that way in the 100-year-old people, although my study really does not confirm those lifestyles in the rest of the Ashkenazi Jewish population. You know, it's really have been changing throughout the years because, for example, once in the 50s, the obese people were also the rich people, and now it's the poor people that are obese people. So there is what we call a cohort effect. And I wouldn't know to put the Ashkenazi Jews there throughout this cohort. I think they were relatively poor before, and they're relatively upper middle class now. But because of that, it's very hard to tell you the answer, except that 
Our centenarians have eaten what we tell our patients not to eat and have had a lifestyle that we tell our patients not to have. Well, then can you tell me, what is the Longevity Gene Project? The Longevity Gene Project was designed to identify longevity genes. Longevity genes are genes that we believe are protecting against age-related diseases. Longevity genes are genes that... If we could identify them, we can form a strategy to increase the healthy lifespan of the elderly population. Our goal is to prevent the chronic, debilitating, age-related diseases and to have a much better aging with better quality of life. Well, many of these people, I am sure, that you studied who reached advanced age did have chronic disease, didn't they? And still were able to leave what one would call a life filled with relatively good quality. No, our population is quite different. Our population is characterized by a large percentage, over 40%, that got to age 100 without chronic disease and without taking, in fact, any drugs in order to treat chronic disease. So they are very unique, even though they are 30 years older than the rest of the elderly population, they were relatively healthy, and that's what was so interesting in them, and that's what led us to study them. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special segment, Future on Medicine, on ReachMD.com, on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I'm speaking with Dr. Barzilai. Dr. Barzilai is the director of the Institute for Aging Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. I know that your research deals with Ashkenazic Jews. Why them? The reason we picked Ashkenazi Jews has nothing to do with, A, the fact that you mentioned before that they have a special diet. It's really nothing to do with the fact that they are living longer or anything like that. It has to do with the fact that when you want to do genetic discoveries, you are trying to do them in populations that are more homogeneous genetically. You know, the best example now are the Icelandic people. There are half a million Icelandic people in Iceland, and they're all offspring of five Vikings and four Irish women or something like that. So all half a million of them are coming from the same fathers and mothers, and so you have much less noise, so to say, when you're looking at their genome. So the Ashkenazi Jews are uh, derived in Eastern Europe, and for some unfortunate history, have been few and then are about 18 million around the world, and they're very homogeneous, and many discoveries are done in this population, and that's the reason we chose them. So it's almost the same reason that people who are interested in the gene associated with ovarian or breast cancer also selects this very same group. Correct, and it's not because Ashkenazi Jews have more breast cancer or ovary cancer. It's because that it was easier to found the mutation for breast cancer in this population than others. Is this what you would call the founder effect? Exactly. Is this same work going on in Israel? Many Holocaust survivors immigrated to Israel and now have lived there their continuing years, and we now have a pool of Sabras or native-born Israelis to look at as well. So are we looking at this same research in Israel as well? 
I have an IRB from the Israeli government to do this research in Israel. The funding is a little bit of a problem, and I've done few but not any systematic research in Israel. I can just tell you that we have Holocaust survival in our study, and we also are in touch with the Holocaust organization. There are few people that were then at age 40 that really survived the camps. The camps were survived by younger people. But one of the questions for us has to do with the question if the starvation during the Holocaust has anything to do actually with an increased lifespan. I mean, did they survive because part of their genes helped them to survive difficulties and stress? Or is it the caloric restriction during the Holocaust that is part of successful aging? And we don't have an answer, but I think for us it's an interesting question that is in the heart of aging research. I was just thinking, too, that your cohort probably in Israel would have less intermarriage than in the United States just by the nature of the numbers and the culture. And therefore, this founder effect would be easier to find in Israel. That's true. If I would have wanted to start to look at Ashkenazi Jews now, it would be a problem. But I have to tell you, in the 100 years old, so we're talking about people who were born in 1900, 1910, maybe a little bit above, there was no much of intermarriage. So it wasn't a real problem for us to confirm four grandparents that are Ashkenazi Jews. It wasn't that prevalent intermarriage. I know that you were in the Israel Defense Force and lived there. Did this have anything to do with your research? I know you were a medic in the Israel Defense Force, and did this in some way direct you in your ultimate research? You know, in a strange way, being a medic and then going to third world countries, I helped in the war in Cambodia, I helped during the apartheid in South Africa, I worked with the Zulus in KwaZulu, it all looked like my career is going to go into helping actually young people surviving atrocities and wars, and it became quite frustrating because you could save thousands of people every day, but there was no political situation, and eventually I thought I should try science because the solution depends almost solely on me. So that became less frustrating to deal with. So I was in both worlds, and that's what led from one to the other, and that's what I did, and I'm happy where I am now. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad, and we're glad you're here as well doing this very interesting research. Now, getting to the research, when you studied the probane and the children of somebody who had reached advanced age, What did you find? Did you find anything different about their lipoproteins? Did they have a different phenotype, for example? Yes, they had a different phenotype. And really, the major phenotype that stood out immediately is the fact that they, the 100 years old and their offspring, their children, and we recruit their children. In fact, we recruit probons, we recruit the centenarians only if they have offspring because it's important for something that we can talk later. But one of the things that was striking in these families are that they had high levels of HDL cholesterol and not only high level of HDL cholesterol, but their lipoprotein sizes 
that is the size of the HDL and LDL that does come in different sizes in each one of them, but they had more of the large size than the small size. And those were really amazing phenotypes and phenotypes that were inherited. So we could look at the heritability and the heritability of that was really very strong. So that's an example of one phenotype that actually led to our first discoveries of longevity genes. Another phenotype that was interesting was the fact that the offspring women of centenarians were shorter and had higher IGF-1 levels than our control population that is aged and matched. And that led us to another discovery of mutation in the IGF receptor. So the lipoproteins and the IGF are actually examples of where a phenotype led us to the discovery of a genotype that we think is important to be able to reach such advanced age uh, in a healthy situation. We talk about the parental survival, that if you're 65 and your parents are 80, even one of them is 80 or older, you indeed may also benefit in having increased longevity. Is this possibly the explanation for this? Yes, we think it is. And actually, we just finished a study that's going to be published soon with Richard Lipton from the Einstein Aging Study that is a sister study to us. And we showed that age of parents is protective against cognitive decline. So we think that the age of parents is really important in suggesting what will be the health and also length of life of offspring. And we have a study now where we recruit people into two groups, whether their parents died before the age of 95 or over the age of 95, and we will follow them to see if this heritability and, of course, if the longevity genes that we found are going to predict their longevity as we follow them in the next years. I want to thank Dr. Nir Barzilai, who's been our guest today. He's the director of the Institute of Aging at Albert Einstein College, and we've been discussing the future of medicine as it deals with aging and how studying our older population will give us answers that we all may benefit from in having a healthier life. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I've been your host today, and you've been listening to a special segment on the future of medicine with ReachMD.com on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features an entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. Thank you for listening.